This is Pink Media. Hello, and welcome to Gene Pick Selects. We are re-releasing our episode on Ocean's Eleven in honor of Vladimir Klitschko, one of the two boxers in the film, and his brother Vitaly Klitschko, another former professional boxer, and the current mayor of Kiev. Also in support of the Ukrainian people, their soldiers, and President Zelensky, all of whom have shown more bravery than I could even imagine under insurmountable odds against a war of aggression by Vladimir Putin. This is all it is. There is nothing to it beyond one man's personal ambition. He's getting his own soldiers killed. He is getting civilians killed. He is committing war crimes all for nothing. Nothing. Not a single reason beyond his own personal ambition. We'll be posting ways for ordinary people to get involved if they would like. They will be from the Ukrainian government's official account. Additionally, I will post a link to a list, a Twitter list that I have put together if you would like to follow along. And as just a point of personal privilege, I'd like to mention how much joy Ukrainian Village in Chicago has brought me personally, specifically the beautiful, beautiful Orthodox uh, Ukrainian Orthodox Church. I will also be posting a picture of that. There's little that we can do personally, but if any of this helps in any way, even to send $1 to the Ukrainian people, it will be, it will have been worth it. With that, here's the show. Fuck Putin and his sycophants. Glory to Ukraine. Because yesterday I walked out of the joint losing four years of my life in your cold deck and team beat cover boys because the house always wins. Play long enough, you never change the stakes, the house takes you. Unless, when the perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and you take the house. You've been practicing that, haven't you? A little bit. Did I rush it? Felt like I rushed it. I, of course, am your host, Alex Pastor. The rest of the crew is here. We're doing Brian's pick, Ocean's Eleven, on this week's Gene Picks. So, Brian, you weren't on last week's Den of Thieves. You haven't seen it, but it's a, you know, kind of a smash and grab type heist movie built Mm -hmm. with a a lot of layers built around that. But that's like the style of it. This is like the confidence man style of it, a completely different type of heist movie. What made you go with this one? Well, I mean, this movie kind of has a really nice kind of charm and swagger to it. And I really think that's due to the. Uh, the casting of who's in the movie itself but um, this has always been one of my favorite movies to watch I think I kind of associate it with our family quite a bit because I think we all like it a lot and we've watched it together quite a few times so um, when we were talking about heist movies an obvious choice and I didn't mention up top but this of course is a remake of a Rat Pack movie it kind of that is why the cast had to be so big and so kind of uh, over the top kind of superstars not all of them, of course, but most of them. And Absolutely. you're right. It was a big family movie for us. We were big on the heist movies in the family regardless. Uh, but this was kind of way up there. And I, to the point that I might even consider it, which this is a bold call. Brian started bold Don't calls two weeks ago. This is a bold call. It might be my favorite trilogy. Is that insane to say? Uh, okay. Wow. I don't think it's that bold of a call. 
I mean, I'm going to talk about it later on, but there are so many good qualities in this movie that it's not that bold. I agree. And the overall style, like you said, is is really incredible. You've got we can we can argue if this turns Clooney into what kind of we see him as like this movie or if he brought that like kind of gravitas and uh, awesome, I don't know, style, I guess, to to the movie um, or they fed off each other. But you got him, you got, you know, Brad Pitt as a kind of a, a sidekick and then Matt Damon, too. It's pretty incredible. So we can save some of this for the cast that'll be coming up in a second, but I think it's just the like the sheer amount of the kind of gravitas that you're talking about. You know what I mean? It's the fact that it's Clooney and Pitt, and then this young upstart Matt Damon coming along. Like it's just I think the whole and the sum of his yeah, parts are I would agree with enormous. That. Yes. Well, let's just get in under the hood so we can actually get to the cast pretty quick. This was written by Ted Griffin, someone I am not familiar with, but he has written a few other movies. It looks like at least one other George Clooney movie, Up in the Air, which at the time I liked, but I have not seen it since. Do you guys have any Up in the Air experience? I saw it once. I really liked it. Um, I should note that he was the executive producer on that. He wasn't a screenwriter on that movie, but he was the executive producer. Mm. But I, I really liked it when I watched it. I mean, I don't know why I haven't seen it more than once, but I thought it was really good. I think it was a little bit sad. I think that's probably why I didn't watch it. You know, have the devastating Chicago because, scene. Yeah, it's it's sad, uh, but overall, I thought it was a really good movie. Matchstick Men and Tower Heist. I gotta say, I've seen Tower Heist. I saw it in theaters. Really? I I, I hope that was one that I didn't pay for. That was one that was a movie pass one. I hope, but I feel like it came out way too early for that. I think it came out too early, and I, but I don't really remember seeing it. I probably did, right? Yeah, it's fine. Of, I watched it on HBO, I think. That's a movie it's that like I've a seen probably. Bernie Madoff, right? Type situation. Yeah, Alan Alda, Alan Alda is a Bernie Madoff type person. Um, but his all of his money is in this car that is completely made of gold, but it appears to not be a car that's made of gold. They have to get it out. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Sorry to give away the whole gambit there, but it's fine. <laughs> it's got uh alum of this movie, Casey Affleck, in it. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the heavy hitter heavy hitter here now. Steven Soderbergh. We, I think, are big Soderbergh fans, at least. Brian, what's your connection to Steven Soderbergh outside of this franchise? I'll be quite honest, it's it's mostly via this franchise, honestly. Um, you know, I've seen Out of Sight, I've seen Contagion, I've seen Aaron Brockovich, but they're not movies that I would like say are like in my top ten or something like that. They're they're good movies. Contagion kind of bums me out in a big way. Any sort of existential <laughs> crisis like that really makes me sad. So I don't really like to watch that movie, but I've seen it multiple times. I actually watched it as a public health major in class for some reason. I'm not sure why, but we watched it one time in college. Probably because it's about a worldwide pandemic and public health people should well, know yeah, about those. A dramatized version. <laughs> Crazy call yeah. here. This came back from us. Um, I, I love Contagion. I love it so much. And... That kind of that kind of big scale crisis doesn't just bum you out, especially now, like in our current situation. Doesn't that bum you out? No, because we'll you know we'll what? These things are gonna happen. Let's let's talk about it. But here's real quick, Craig. I'm gonna say something, and I I view it in the same vein as I view like World War Z, uh, where it's like, okay, what would happen in these situations? 
maybe contagion didn't come true Agreed. in the fact that people were abiding by stay at home orders or anything like that. But uh, like, I, I like the idea of like game planning. What's going to happen in these situations? You know what I mean? I do too. Cause you, yeah. cause you like a big control it's room almost, scene. It's almost control room. Yeah. It gives you an inside, inside peek. I was going to say contagion if done today would be a lot scarier because in 2012 or whenever it came out, there wasn't as, as much misinformation and social media didn't have as much of a presence. There is a component of it with the, um, the, guy, the blogger, the video blogger who is basically, yeah, who's kind of, but he uses it to his advantage to promote a medicine, like a, a, a sham medicine. He's not just Den- discounting the, denying the facts of denying facts and of what, how serious something is, you know? Yeah. Well, you go look on Alex Jones's website, and I bet they're selling some sort of a sham COVID nineteen cure. Uh, well, but I, I, the, the, I would agree. The, the big problem with it is that it's just like one guy, and not everybody. But anyway, let's talk about some other yeah. Soderbergh uh, joints. So I've seen Logan Lucky, which I think is a real fun kind of heist movie spin on this movie. Honestly, yeah. He kind of teams up with Channing Tatum for a couple movies, which uh, I like that team up actually. I think it worked pretty well. I, I, I for one, probably I think his best movie in my mind, outside of this series, although, I mean it's a little bit different. I thought Traffic was done so incredibly well. I mean, again, that's a heavy hitter. It's pretty, you know, it's not light material. It's not a probably a gene pick, but very well done. I mean, very well done in my mind. Well. You can look at traffic and then you can look at um, various shows and films that you see now and they use the same style of multiple locations, multiple storylines. They all are related. So I just watched this uh, Amazon show called Zero Zero Zero, which is basically following a, a drug shipment from the distribution in Mexico through these um, American brokers to Italy where they're going to, um, sorry, production to distribution. And it has a, a similar feel. It's very gritty. Traffic has that too. You have these these multiple locations. Obviously, a ton of filter use. Maybe, but at the time, it was probably revolutionary. That's what I want to say. Yeah, it's also got those jump cuts like between the uh, between the different locations too. I I think about that scene uh, with whatever her whatever his name is. That Julia Stiles, by the way, of. 10 Things I Hate About You? Is the daughter Julia Stiles in that? Oh, no, it's the other one. It's uh... Erica Christensen? Yeah. There it is. <laughs> Parking back. Anyway, yeah, I think about a lot of the things that happened in that movie, despite only seeing it maybe twice. A lot of things I think about. Uh, yeah. No, it's pop, well randomly will pop into my head. Also, Craig, you've seen all of Americans? Yeah. I think about Martha in the, the grocery store. All the time, and I won't mm. say more details because I don't want to give away any plot points. But I think about that all the time; it just pops <laughs> into my head. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. So, did you guys see Sex Lies and Videotape? I, I saw a long time ago. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I saw tape by Richard Linklater a while ago, and I thought, thinking back, I thought it was Sex Lies and Videotape, but it's a different movie. Like, I feel like like the same concept though, because does sex lies and videotape like take place in a one place or is that completely different? Does anyone have any recollection of that? It's different. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's different. I mean, 
what what movie is this tape? Is this the one that Andy told me about literally like eight or nine years ago that I've been trying to find, which basically is Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman in a hotel room, and someone else in a hotel room. Yeah, it's uh, it's it was streaming not that long ago. It's probably still streaming. It's called tape. It's called tape. Yeah. So what? what uh, what's so one. Is? It's a one. Find this. It's a one set movie. It's just in a hotel room. One room. Yeah, one. I'll find this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I recommend you do. We, it we was really uncomfortable. Okay. You're not going to have a great time with it, but I recommend you watch it. No, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> it's a Vincent pick. Can we, um, can we agree that in film, like a one set thing is like, oh, so experimental, but that's what stage is. That's exactly what <laughs> stage is. It's like, okay, they're just doing a on stage performance, but they're doing it on film. But actually, if you get within the, uh, within the, plays like they're not one set they typically will move things around um right like that's true in between yeah, acts and whatnot i haven't seen that much uh live theater unfortunately let's get back on topic here i agree it is it is the yeah. bottle episode the bottle movie is like it is seen as revolutionary but you're you're right well I, let's go into production i i you know what's really interesting about this and i think i read somewhere that soderbergh made a good choice with this because he chose to remake a near miss, not a absolute classic. You know, the 1960s movie was not really a classic. Um, in a sense, it was like kind of, it was close to it. So they felt that trying to remake a classic is very difficult, but you kind of remake a near miss and you can improve upon it, which, which I believe he did. I uh, remember watching the original at home with dad one time. And I was like, this is not a very good movie. It's not enjoyable. It's boring. Mm-hmm. And, Granted, like a lot of those older movies today seem kind of boring, but it was boring. I've not seen the original. Can you guys educate me like who the cast is and stuff like that? The Rat Pack. Pack. Yes, the Rat Pack. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they do a they do a Vegas heist, basically, which they do the same thing. They they to cut all the power. It's like New Year's Eve, I want to say. And um, they stuff it all in, I think, some caskets or something. And then something happens at the end. I won't ruin it for everybody. Oh yeah, but I read somewhere for this one that Clooney, Clooney, really went to all these actors and asked them, "Say, listen, there's no way we can make this movie if we all take our normal rates." So he 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 really convinced everyone to take a, you know, a pay cut and try to get money on the back end, which when we get to the box office worked out for him quite well. And the fact that they have, you know, they made a trilogy, um, but yeah, he he really came together and tried to rally the troops for this, trying to get this cast and. I mean, obviously, when we get into cast, like the cast is the whole movie. I mean, this really, the casting was incredible. You have to have a hell of a lot of reputation to go around and ask people to take less money. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Like, come well, on. He probably worked well, with Clooney a, yeah, on Soler- Solaris at this that, point. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if, I mean, frankly, Soderbergh could be doing this because Soderbergh has had a pretty good reputation. But that, that begs the question, like, what was Clooney's reputation by this point? So, well, let's just get into Clooney, right? We can talk about his early stuff. Obviously, like ER was his big break. And then hmm, what uh what else is at this point? He's Batman. He's which was not a success. He's not Brian, a success, did you no. not know that Clooney was Batman? I just didn't know it was around this time. No, I mean yeah, it was before was, for it was sure. Exactly it was like mid nineties. Um okay. and then he's Perfect Storm, which was successful. Mm-hmm. I actually did a uh, listen to a to a rewatchables podcast about Perfect Storm recently, and they were throwing a lot of shade on Clooney 
about how his his kind of career never kind of peaked essentially or never kind of fulfilled its um, its potential. But I don't know. I mean, just this movie alone is is him in like peak form. And I guess you could argue, did he come down from there or did he just kind of make the movies he wanted to make? Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. So, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, he also had some big other big movies prior leading up to this, though. I mean, he had Three Kings in 98. He had Out of Sight in 98, was teaming up again with Ted Griffin and Soderbergh. Uh, oh, Brother, We're Out Thou in 2000. So he was he was ramping up. So I think he had a, he had a good enough re- reputation at this point, obviously, that he could, you know, have that discussion with these people. When, okay, so Out of Sight is like, I think, one of the only movies that has a character that and Jackie Brown that has the same character, but they're just in completely different franchise, like not franchises. Mm -hmm. They're just two different movies that have a character. That's the same in it. Michael Keaton's character is the same character that he's playing in Jackie Brown is the character he's playing in out of sight. That's that's right. There's no connection between the, yeah. Um, yeah, he's been in in Rossini doing the Barbara Seville franchise. (laughs) Yeah. As is great. I just love that. So Clooney is, is he's established at this point. And you're right. When you're looking on paper, when you're looking on paper, it might, there, there are some misses. He takes some chances that just aren't necessarily all that good, but he's also like definitely an established, like a list actor at this point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he headlines this movie. I mean, he, he's headlining an ensemble cast. So obviously to do so, you have to have a pretty decent reputation. They're not going to bank on a budget like this without it. I want to quickly talk about George Clooney and specifically in Oh Brother Art Thou because George Clooney is the kind of person where he can never really look bad or dirty. So in that movie, it cracks me up because like they try to make him look all roughed up. But <laughs> he just isn't, he doesn't have that ability. Yeah. It's kind of like Pierce Brosnan's the same way where you can never really make them look bad. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. It's like the opposite of me. You can, never, you can never make me look good. Yeah, same. All right, Andy. That's enough. Uh, that's the thing. Like attractive actors, we talked about it with Tom Hardy. We've talked about it with a lot of different actors. Like they like will try to cover up their natural like beauty because no one like probably gets old playing the like handsome like protagonist. Sometimes you want to not be the good guy. You want to like rough yourself up, rough yourself up a little bit. Uh, and everyone, everyone is like trying to not everyone, but a lot of the like actors that we've talked about on here are trying to achieve that. And you're, you you make a good point, Brian, that sometimes you just can't really do it. He's now learned to do it by just huge beards. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really do think that there's a difference between like a, a George Clooney kind of uh, look and like a Tom Hardy kind of look. George Clooney isn't what I would consider like a, a sex symbol. So it's, it's more just like he's, you weren't around in the nineties, buddy. Like he has beauty. Well, I mean, he was like know, sexiest man alive no, at I least once. You, you at least once. I know, I know. I recall that, but I, I, I don't agree with that personally. But Tom Hardy's like a, he's like a sex symbol. It's like a different kind of attractiveness yeah. when it comes down to it. Yeah. And, I, and I think sex symbols can look bad, or like not bad, but roughed up, shall we say, in an attractive way, still, of course. But yeah. sorry, that was a left turn. I decided to bring that yeah. up. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think this is the perfect fit for Clooney, this movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, I really a perfect fit. What about for Pitt? Yeah, I'll say this. There's a reason they made three of these, and it's like 
they wanted they probably had a really good time making them obviously but like has Clooney what other franchises has Clooney been in he was only in one Batman true mm-hmm. well uh, we 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 are all big fans I think of a very Merry Christmas is Clooney you know his kind of cameo in that is he playing Danny Ocean <laughs> I mean did well the question is did this movie make Clooney Clooney? You mean like, or Danny is, Ocean is this Clooney? would never do that. Danny, Danny Ocean, Ocean would, would never get out behind wow. a tree and say, uh, whatever, he, what did he say? Santa something. Santa's, I don't know. Santa's, whatever. It doesn't uh, matter. Let's I move think, on because you don't know it either. No. I, yeah, I think so. I think this is perfect for Clooney. I think it's perfect for Brad Pitt, but only together i think if they put if they'd flipped any of those roles and put somebody else in the role it wouldn't have been as good because this is when i think there's like a synergistic thing happening with the two of them in this movie if you'd removed one of those they would have been great of course but i think it wouldn't have been as good i think you could find other people to fit in this movie and, and be fine personally i i think the point of this movie but is I, that like good though it's such a fun like it's such a fun romp that like anyone could be put in there and just be having a really good time. Like we'll get to some of the casting, like switch ups and mix ups. Uh, yeah. But like you give me most of those and I'm still having a real good time with this movie. Brian, I will kind of agree with you a little bit at the top being that like, maybe you need the Clooney and Pitt relationship as it is at, at the, at the top of the 11. But uh, Brad Pitt could have, could have been Danny Ocean too. Like I, I agree with you, Alex, to a certain degree, but I also agree with Brian that their chemistry together is somewhat hard to replicate. And could you have had a really good movie without one of one of them? Yes. But mm-hmm. I, I think having those two together was just magic. And I don't think you're having the same type of movie. And it's not as successful in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of, now that we're in the cast and I'm just like, thinking about the sheer number of actors that are in this i feel like we didn't like address it enough up top soderbergh was an oscar winner at this point i'm pretty sure and he also had done uh like several movies so he he was also very established like yes it wasn't a weird thing for him to get all these people to make his movie because uh he had won an oscar i speaking of kind of a mix-up by the way andy Clooney turns down unfaithful to be in this and Clooney in an erotic thriller. I'd, I'd play ball. I'd watch it. Yeah, it's probably good. I, I think he right. Where are you at it? You've, it? you've made it clear. You don't think he's really a sex symbol. What do you think about Clooney in an erotic thriller? Do you know what unfaithful is? First off, I don't know that what that is, but I can speak generally to the topic. Um, it's not, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he'd be great, but he's just pretty. He's very pretty. That's the only thing that is getting me. But I don't know. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of shit for that. But I just. <laughs> Unfaithful is, I think Richard Gere's in that role. And I think it's Vigo Mortensen in the other man role. And yep. Diane Lane. Diane Lane. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's actually pretty decent it's movie. really good. It's actually pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a pretty, pretty good movie. Vigo's got a great art studio in that. Su- art studio slash mm-hmm. living quarters. I was a big fan of yeah. that. Or may, hold on, Ugh. I'm now starting to think maybe Vigo is in a perfect murder with Michael Douglas and <laughs> and uh, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. It, I think I no, I think it might be another person. 
Yeah, can we get a can we get an update on that? Well, while you're checking yeah, that, let me. Well, wait, so while you're checking, let me ask you this question: Is Brad Pitt's Rusty one of the coolest characters of all time? Uh yes, simply yes. I I, he, I think he might be. He is intimidatingly cool. Like just a cool character. He would be, yeah. So Pitt is cooler than Clooney. We can agree on that. Clooney oh, isn't yeah. necessarily cool. Clooney is like suave and yeah, uh, like dignified and has gravitas. Yeah, but Rusty is just cool. I would agree. I, like Rusty is just a guy. Like man, I want to be friends with Rusty. I have. A, I am reporting back to an earlier uh, okay. topic. All it right. is Oliver Martinez is the other man in Unfaithful. Okay. So Vigo is the other man in uh, a, perfect a Perfect Murder, murder. and it's a Perfect Murder Vigo's. Studio. studio that I'm a fan of. I okay. have no idea about Oliver Martinez's studio. I Probably don't even know terrible. if he has one. Probably terrible. Studio. I assume he's an artist. They're usually artists. Oh yeah, of course. Craig, do you have an opinion on if Clooney should do an erotic thriller because he turned down Unfaithful to be in this? I don't know. He might be getting a little old for that. It's probably a little old, but Michael Douglas was playing like well That's into true. his fifties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, should he do it? Uh, I don't know. I could see him in it, I guess. <laughs> you I'll come to you, Gene Picks for that in-depth analysis. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get, let's get on to Matt Damon. He Whoa, was. We haven't talked about any Brad Pitt movies. What are you talking about, dude? <sighs> yeah, we did. No, we said is Rusty right. cool in this movie? That was the extent of our Brad Pitt discussion. <laughs> well, then what's everyone's favorite Brad Pitt movie? I don't favorite know. Movie or favorite he's been role in a lot of great what? ones. He has a better favorite career role, than Clooney sure, for sure. He's he's been in a lot of really good movies. I mean, I think, like I said, I think this is one of the coolest characters ever. So this is my my favorite character. I mean, you could say Fight Club because he he essentially carried that movie. So mm-hmm. his role in Fight Club is probably his most iconic. Um, I'm guessing, but I, I I only saw that movie once or twice, and it was good. But for some reason, I didn't I didn't just like absolutely love it. Maybe it's just when I watched it for the first time. But I should probably watch it again because I mean it's an iconic movie. But yeah. Craig, you have read several books by the author of Fight Club. Is that correct? Yeah. Did you start to read Lullaby, and was it really scary? Right. Is that is my memory serving me me right on that? Yeah, I started reading, it and it was too creepy for me. But I have read a lot of his other books, and I I think they're good, quite good. So Brad Pitt is like has one of the better careers. With Plan B and then like his acting career, I think, in Hollywood, period. Uh, he also has one of the better Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon movies, and that's Sleepers. If any of you guys are ever playing, I recommend you mm. go look at the filmography. <laughs> Always go through Sleepers, and yeah, it's it's going to be really good for you because you got you got him, Jason Patrick's is in stuff. You got Billy Crudup, you got uh, who's the I'm, anyway, you got De Niro, you got Dustin Hoffman, the oh. the woman I'm, the like love interest I'm forgetting right now. But you got a lot of people in that movie. Do you have Kevin yeah. Bacon? Yeah, you have Kevin Bacon, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I thought I I'm, thought that was it, taken like as uh, fact once I said it was really good for that. Movie. <laughs> like you know, I'm looking at his filmography right now, and you know, I said that. Rusty is my favorite character of his, but that's hard to say because I, I mean, Lieutenant Aldo Rain from 
Inglorious Bastards, great character. Mm-hmm. You look at Snatch. Cliff. I, I liked Cliff Booth, his character, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know Craig has a different opinion on that, but Alex and I really, really like that movie. Um, I mean, his, you know, his character in Seven, he's got a lot of great characters. I mean, I would agree. I wanted characters. to take just a second, and Andy, you touched on a little bit over here, but I think he's had a good last decade. He's had a pretty good last decade, too. Uh, starting with, like, Moneyball, which mm-hmm. I really like that movie. I'm a big fan of that movie, big fan of that book. I recommend it. Yes. I love World War Z. I'm still waiting for that sequel. Brian, had, Brian, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a, a, my suggestion down for one of the, my favorite movies, which I don't know if it's uh, well-liked at all, but I like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Angelina Jolie. So I got to say, Great movie. that movie is fun. I never, I feel like I was much more of a Vincent guy during that mm-hmm. period of my life. So yeah. I never really gave Mr. and Mrs. Smith mm-hmm. like it's, it's due. But I will say this, they're making a remake of it with Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Phoebe Waller-Bridges, I don't know, and Donald Glover on Amazon and very excited for the series with both of them writing. That's interesting. But back to his, you know, dec- last decade, Fury. I think we all liked Fury. Alex had the haircut, you know. Yeah, I loved it. I was a big fan. I also tried to get his haircut in another movie from the last decade, A Tree of Life, and it led to the worst haircut I've ever had in my life. Two days mm. before a wedding. That's a bummer. Had to get it that's salvaged. A whole, that's a risky move, man. That's a risky. I know. Move doing that. No one does. I know. That. I got it salvaged though. Hey, give me a new I got it salvaged right before a wedding. Which wedding? Two days. This? Not Your yours. Wedding. I had long hair for your wedding. Was it a... Uh, he's also in wedding? The Big Short. No. Okay. Um, he's also in The Big Short. Another... Was that a book by the same person as the guy who wrote Moneyball? I think it might you know be. It. Michael Lewis. It is. There yeah. you go. Thanks, Craig. Absolutely. Confirmed it is. And then I watched Ad Astra, and I really, really liked that movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that I, one. I liked it, too. I liked it. I saw it in theaters. Actually, I saw it in theaters twice because I had to leave halfway through the first time because I was on call. But uh, it it was very different than what I expected. But because essentially it's a family story in space. That's why I, I mean, a father son story in space. It was not what I thought it would be, which is I'm fine with. But I did really like it, and it had I, one of the most incredible moon moon scenes I've ever seen. Like that scene in the moon running the buggies was just in, insanely good. What's so weird about it is like I feel like the director had to make those. The, there are some really thrilling action scenes in that movie, uh, like space action, and then even the one at the, even the opening shot. Uh, but I feel like he had mm-hmm. to make those scenes to be able to like Trojan horse just a super contemplative, like melancholy, like just experience because some of the space stuff is mm-hmm. just like entrancing essentially um all right if no one else has anything to say let's move on to matt damon i'm sorry i've really (laughs) been spending too much time here so we can move a little bit quicker no i i mean he's had a i mean brad pitt's had an incredible career so i don't think you'd spend too much time on that i mean he's has he's had a great career yeah matt damon definitely has something in common with the two actors before him here and that is that he's also made a lot of bad movies (laughs) they've all made a lot of bad movies like that is something that none of them have like Leo doesn't have a lot of bad movies, but everyone in this movie does. But I think Leo also has fewer movies. He just doesn't work as often. Would you agree to that? I would. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't work as often. Yeah. But 
Matt Damon's Johnny Johnny Depp was originally eyed for this role. Mm-hmm. And I'm real glad that he is not in it. He would not be good in this movie. I agree. That would have been terrible. No. He would Mark not Wahlberg was also no. cast, uh, but he turned it down for Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, I should say. And he would have been fine in this movie. I, I would have been fine with him in it. Uh, I'm glad Matt Damon's in it, but either would have been fine for me. So Tim Burton turned down or over, overlooked Johnny Depp to go to Wahlberg. That's actually surprising right there. And then Wahlberg was cast in this, and then Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, I don't know, it's interesting. Oh, you mean like they had, okay, yeah, Johnny good Depp call. A lot of Tim Burton movies. Yeah. A lot of them. Where was this on um, Matt Damon's career arc? All right, so he's really starting to make it, like make a make some noise in Hollywood around the time of. Hold on. Well, this is Google Hunting ninety seven. Well, Courage Under Fire was before that, which he plays a real good uh, heroin addict in. He actually got, Mm. like, I think still takes medicine to this day because he lost so much weight in so little time. Uh, He has to take like thyroid medicine to this day. That would be an RTZ mo- uh, med on that movie, which we will never do, probably on Gene Picks. Then Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. I'm going off the dome here, Rounders. so if I get any of it wrong, correct me. But also uh, Talented Mr. Ripley. So, like, yep. pretty serious movies. I'm not sure if he had yeah, been he had a pretty good run at this point. Uh, That's the thing. So looking yeah. at these movies in, like, retrospect, it, it's hard because you know who Matt Damon is now. You know, mm-hmm. and at the time, it's like interesting. It's hey, it's kind of funny. Matt Damon is kind of playing like a third lead, sort of a sidekick type character. He's the kid, you know. But but it, I mean, come on, it's Matt Damon. But that's who he was, you know, kind of back then. And where what does he do like right around or after this movie? So right after Ocean's Eleven, he did Jerry, which was very serious, small budget movie um, in two thousand two, and then in 2002, he starts The Bourne Identity. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, right there. Craig and I watched Jerry during a poker game, if you remember that. A four-handed poker game. I watched Jerry. I recall that. It's intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. It's just like when I go hiking, it's like we don't want to become Jerry. You don't want to be Jerry. Jerry's not good. Brian, if you haven't seen Jerry, it's uh, essentially two friends who get lost while hiking in the desert. It's terrible. Seems like a pretty big bummer. Yes. He had been in Dogma, which I left out uh, as a comedy, but he's only in that for like a second. He's he also says that his favorite movie he he's ever his favorite movie that he's seen that he's been in is the uh, Billy Bob Thornton four hour cut of All the Pretty Horses, a book I read, <laughs> and I have to say that is a one hundred percent Alex Pastor seal of approval on that book. Haven't seen the four hour cut of the movie. Uh, it is. <laughs> Really good, really devastating, really just... Okay, go ahead, Craig. All right, I'm going to read this book. Uh, can we... If we're talking about four-hour cuts, I we just started Zack Snyder's Justice League? Justice League last night. We got 19 minutes in of the four hours and then had to go to bed. <laughs> so far, pretty good. <laughs> I uh, I watched all four hours <laughs> yesterday. Straight through. How many chapters? Yeah. Is it six chapters or seven chapters? How can I break it up? Yeah, can I just do like a couple chapters like at a time? By the way, when I saw it come up, I was like, are there going to be commercials in this? What are these fucking lines? What are these little lines <laughs> doing? Interesting. If we're talking about uh, World War Z as well, back uh, 20 minutes ago, I started the Max Brooks um, 
Devolution last week. Uh, uh, Devolution, yeah, it's good. It's good. That was on my list since I, re- I recall him being on Fresh Air like a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, had it on my shelf the whole time. We're going to pick it up. No, so it's good. It. I, 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 uh, I listened to it on the audiobook and because it's it's set you know, you know in the Seattle area. Um, yeah. It was really good. I, I wonder if they're going to make a movie out of it. We'll see. So Matt Damon kind of moving through his career, it's like he does The Departed, which he's doing a lot of, he's doing two franchises at the same time. He does Syriana and The Departed kind of in between the Oceans and the Bourne movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Two very different movies. Craig, have you, you've seen Syriana, right? Yes. Did we watch that together? For sure. Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe. Uh, it, it's, are you aware, I was going to say, are you aware that... Uh, Clooney like totally fucked up his back on that movie. Oh really? Yeah, I was not the, aware of that. Like the scene where he's, I think the torture scene. I think they kick his chair and he go, he lands backwards. I believe it like seriously fucked his back up. Ugh, huh. terrible times. He that's, may to this day good. be on medicine for that. Who knows? Wow. You know that's the thing. Like Matt Damon was in. Matt Damon is just good. So he's he's doing Bourne. At that point, he's like, holy shit! Like this guy's, you know, Jason Bourne. But you're right, he's also Linus in this. And then he's in like seriously good movies like Syriana and Departed, doing you know, very well in them. So it's it's he just brings like an, a good level to these films. Yes. And you're right, he just is really good in movies. Uh something that we say a lot. Um but I have to say, he like so the departed is not on most people's list of like greatest Scorsese movies, but it's just such a fun movie to watch. And then mm-hmm. he's in another movie and of another director's that's probably not kind of considered to be the best of his, uh, the best of his work so much so that we didn't even mention it earlier in this movie, but the informant and maybe it's my like closeness oh my gosh. in terms of knowing all of the like places and the character, the company and what, whatnot. Yeah. But that movie so good. And I don't think I don't think I'm exaggerating was one of my top five like comedy movie theater experiences in terms of just w- uproarious laughter, like dying. In the you theater. know, it's crazy that movie, the audience score in that movie is 44 percent, which is just nuts to me because it's so good. Brian, have you seen The Informant? Yes, I have. It's so it is. Yeah, it's so good. Forty four percent. On Rotten Tomatoes, do you know audience. That, do you know that he filmed part of that movie at a diner in Assumption? I, I did nice. not, but I mean, right? I didn't know there was right a there. diner in Assumption, Illinois. Yeah, there is apparently. It was, it was all it was all the buzz in Pena. I was in like high school when that was happening, and people were freaking out. Oh, so that's so fun, man. Oh he's, my gosh, that... look at it. His his uh man, his filmography is just great. When I mean, you look at Adjustment Bureau, True Grit. Uh, the Martian, of course, which is one of my favorite movies ever. I mean, truth be told, Contagion. Uh, the problem really here movies. is, and and the problem with Matt Damon is he also has some big time clunkers, like Hereafter, Green Zone. Never seen it. Mm, it's yeah. probably a serviceable uh, like action movie. Um, that one with him and Krasinski, where they're like, I don't something about the water the. Good message. Don't oh, pollute the water, but uh, yeah, not that good of a movie. Promise so, land? like, promise, promise land. Yeah, promise land. Yeah, 
I'm going to make a, a Gene Picks bold call and say that Matt Damon is my favorite male actor in movies. I know Julia Roberts is really the only female actor, but actress. That's not that bold. He's, he's had a great career. I mean, he's a good actor. I, I'm, I'm putting him over George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Absolutely. That's fine. I think it's reasonable. Okay. I, I don't think it's that bold. Okay. Much like Brad Pitt, we could probably talk about Matt Damon all day, but we probably, if Alex will let us move on. I will with one. <laughs> I will if you yield to one comment. I will if you yield to one comment. And that is, Brian, I wonder if okay. that is because Clooney and Pitt like had a lot, a big portion of their like marquee movies, like front loaded before you were like maybe paying attention. I don't know if that's Probably. a reason. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with picking Matt Damon as a uh, favorite in this movie because he's great. Yeah, I'm a big Damon fan. Let's talk about Bernie, Bernie Mac. Another, uh, well, not another. We haven't talked about Carl yet, unfortunately. Uh, but another RIP for this movie. We're down to Oceans Nine, yeah. I think. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah I mean Bernie Ramon? was just all always a funny, funny dude. I mean, he's just a funny, funny guy. Yeah, very boisterous, very gregarious. Love Bernie. In what what was his uh, tour that he did with? Cedric the Entertainer, and is I don't think it was the Def Jam comedy tour. I don't remember what they're uh, Kings of, the original Kings of Comedy. I think yeah, yeah maybe yeah. that was a. I watched that on HBO. Great times. Funny don't guy. don't have enough good things to say about Bernie from Chicago. We're yeah. going to be talking about Chicago here in a second with Linus, but Bernie, uh, like Ramon in the movie, is from Chicago. What do we have to say about Andy Garcia that isn't about his attire in this movie? Is we're going to be talking about his attire in this movie a lot. <laughs> I I would say I remember Andy Garcia as a you know a younger guy in The Untouchables. Do you remember remember The Untouchables? It was just a phenomenal movie. Speaking of Chicago, just a phenomenal movie. Um, you know he was really good in that. You know, unfortunately, he's in The Godfather Part Three, which you know didn't was not super well reviewed or received. I, I have say. a. Uh... I have a theory that if there wasn't a Godfather Part One and Two, that Godfather Part Three would be fine. Yeah, if it's standalone. Yeah, I'm sure you're probably right. You're probably right. But Godfather One and Two are just, I mean, absolute classics. So, so I was, I was listening to Animal Spirits podcast recently, and they watched. I think both of them, maybe, or one of them, watched Untouchables, and had a completely different opinion. Like this is a terrible movie. <laughs> it's not good at all. Untouchables is phenomenal. And I, I think it it depends on when you saw it. Like. We saw it kind of as kids, so it's almost in our like canon yeah. of 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 film and kind of period piece for sure. Um, but I don't know, maybe I I kind of maybe have the same opinion of like Road to Perdition. We saw that recently, and it was like I don't know, it's it's okay, but it's kind of I didn't love it. Like I I thought it was a little long and drawn over out. The top maybe. Yeah. Campy. Yeah is the untouchables is the one with the scene in union station where the yeah yeah uh, okay. great scene for I sure mean, great scene them. but i think it's, it's a great it's movie it's like slow motion it's the baby yeah. carriage or whatever going down the stairs yeah, yeah. I, I love that scene. i love that movie i mean I, it's just a great movie oh maybe i'm i'm forgetting there was a supposed <laughs> this, this banksy a, a gene picks yeah go ahead craig oh, sorry can i complete my story yeah go ahead sorry i was gonna say i may have uh i may have quoted the wrong podcast I may be thinking of Broman's short score <laughs> when he talked about Untouchables, and I think Anthony may have not seen it and didn't like it, or some someone may have not liked it at all. Can confirm that we did talk about Untouchables. However, I cannot confirm Anthony's opinion because I do not remember. <laughs> okay. But 
we did talk about Untouchables. I forget the context behind it, but we talked about it for a little bit. I don't think he had seen it, maybe. What was your opinion on the movie? Do you like it? Are you a fan of it? Oh, I love Untouchables. Yeah. I, I definitely second Craig because I think I've only seen it as a child. I haven't watched it recently. Yeah. And I think I watched it like dad would turn it on or something like that. So I, I don't think I, I should rewatch it. it but it's great. I've seen I it like it because I watched it growing times. up, I think. Yeah. yeah. Craig, I think you're absolutely right uh, that, I mean, I know you're absolutely right that when you see it first and when you've seen it the most sets your, like, that sets what it is in your head. And I will say 83% yeah. tomato meter, 89% audience score. So it's very well respected. But I think there is something about That's movies that were made yeah. in the past. Period piece movies in the past can be, they can like ham it up a lot, I think. Um, so maybe that might be what, uh, whoever this was, whether it was someone on Animal Spirits or Anthony, their opinion was. <laughs> yeah. One more quick before we get off Andy Garcia is Alex and I, maybe Andy and I watched... Um, City Island. Yeah, I wanted to the... talk about that too. Was that you out? Yeah, 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 it was us. That was that was good. That was that was really good, and it's kind of like a drama, but there were definitely some funny parts in it. Uh, I like that a lot. Yeah, Juliana Margulies. Um, I don't remember who she had the affair with. Doesn't matter. But speaking of Zack Snyder's Justice League, the child, the 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 boy in that, I believe, is Ezra Miller. If I'm getting his name correct. Oh. Who is Flash yeah, yeah. in uh, right. in Justice League and yeah, the upcoming right. Flash movie? Mm-hmm. Good call. All right, now let's let's get Moving to this. Let's, let's get I to really walk. like that movie. Good call, Craig. I really like that movie. Thanks for mentioning it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the walk. I think we have to get to the walk. We got Julia Roberts. Yeah. Well, oh, are we are we skipping the walk? Yeah, we got to talk about the walk. Andy Garcia's walk is a character in itself. Yes, it is. So here's the thing. I kind of wanted to hold him to the very end. I see that there's a picture here, and I'm sorry for attempting to rush us right through it because i have a lot to say about a lot of his things and i wanted oh, to even fine. do it in okay. the award let, let's, let's section do later, because yeah, i fine. do want to give an award okay i, I have uh, to send that, you guys a sense. picture by the way that's a great picture <laughs> to go off of so remember that one but i'm going to send you guys another picture that i would All like right. you to uh, take into consideration <laughs> later okay. in this movie okay. let's talk about the malloy brothers before we get into that let's talk about who almost was cast in it Owen and Luke Wilson had to drop out to do the Royal Tenenbaums. I'm glad that they did because I think kind of across the board here, uh, we're Brian, are you not a Royal Tenenbaums guy? I see you shaking your head. No, 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 I am. I, I was going to talk about the Wilson brothers in this movie, but go ahead. Go ahead. Because I think we all can agree that we enjoy them in the Royal Tenenbaums. And that movie is just like, for me, it is, it's a very specific thing in my headcanon. Royal Tenenbaums. Let's talk about, Brian, go ahead and talk about uh, what you think they would have been in this movie and whether or not you would have liked it. Yeah, so I kind of have a the opposite reason why I'm glad they're not in this movie because I think their shtick and how they, their comedy wouldn't have been right for this movie. How they, you know, kind of, I like the, the, those who were cast for this movie. I think they had a really interesting dynamic that the Wilson brothers, of course, have that dynamic because they're brothers, but it's a different dynamic and I think it would have less, if that makes sense. I, I think you're right, but here, here's here would be my opinion. I think they would have done really well in this movie, but if it meant that they would not have been in the Royal Tenenbaums, then I'd say, yeah, don't cast them in this movie because I want them in Royal Tenenbaums. But I do think they would actually, they would have brought something to this movie. 
I'm not saying they're better than these the two, Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck, but I think they would have been really, really good. You're right. It would have been really it would have been a lot different. But Brian, I have to say, so it's kind of that Matt Damon thing that Craig was just talking about. We know Matt Damon's whole career. We know the Owen we know Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson's whole career at this point. At the time, like he was like Owen Wilson had a much different kind of nineties career than he did kind of what we know as like the wedding crashers era of his career where he's just doing like real broad comedies. Like he's in Armageddon, one of my favorites, obviously. He's in Bottle Rocket, Meet the Parents, and like Zoolander around this time. So these are like pretty specific comedies. Uh, I think he would have been really good in this as well as Luke. I'm not upset that we got what we got. The Coen brothers were also considered. <laughs> That's, th- I would have thought they would have been a little bit older than these guys for sure, right? I'm not sure. Well, I don't think age matters. The, the filmmakers, yeah. they, have they acted ever? I, I don't know. I'm not sure they're from Has anyone ever seen a picture of them? I have. I've seen pictures of them. I've yet. seen a picture of at least Do one of them. they actually exist? Yeah, because Are Francis McDermott is married to one of them, and I've seen both of them in a picture together. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't think we really need to get into Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn's career. Uh, Casey Affleck is a Oscar winner. Scott Kahn is not. He's more in the Hawaii Five-0 yeah. uh, realm. But Category? I really enjoy them both in this. They're both just a delight, a they're, pleasure to watch on screen. They're hitting on all cylinders in this movie. They are. A delight for a completely so real, different real reason quick. is Don Cheadle. Go ahead, Craig. Okay. No, I was gonna, I was gonna uh, talk about real quick in the Ocean's Twelve. There's a scene that I really wanted to pull on Alex, but I didn't find an opportunity, and I, I was worried you wouldn't have gotten it. I just it watched it, so fallen. maybe I would have. So let's hear it. Okay, so it would have fallen real flat if you didn't because it would essentially only be for you and everyone else would wonder what's going on. So for for our wedding, kind of pre-wedding dinner in Portland, I really wanted to, to stand up and do a speech and like really thank you everyone <laughs> for coming. We've got Uncle John, Aunt Cheryl from Rochester, blah, 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 and everyone else. <laughs> Name, name literally, and, name literally and everyone except for Alex. Alex out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that, I would have had a been... really good time with that, and everyone else would have been like, "What is what going is on? Is something yeah. wrong between these two right now?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been just incredible. Yeah, I wish you would have. Unfortunately, yeah, our quote unquote uh, like rehearsal dinner was forty some people. <laughs> hour, okay. hour. Like I was in the wedding. I was getting married. <laughs> Our car I was Walter? like third wheel with you guys for a long time, but I'm not actually in the marriage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Don Cheadle thought his English accent was good in this. It's not intentional. He only found out afterwards that it's actually really bad. He was under the impression that it was good. And then he like was stuck with it for the next two movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh. this is another example of why why do they need to do it like what does that add to the film like to for me absolutely nothing nothing in yeah, this, this is funny or, i think or it's American funny English. in this but again it, it, it wasn't intentionally it is, but it's... funny i just think it's funny because of the result yeah I, I think you're right so i was watching ebert and roper many many years ago and basically they they made the call that don Cheadle could be 
essentially this generation's Denzel, like just have like a spectacular career. And someone posted that he has been in 10 over 90% Rotten Tomatoes movies, but he certainly isn't the leading man in many or any of these. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about Don Cheadle. So you're right. I think much like Brad Pitt, uh, I think they almost work better in the, in the character actor roles. And the famous thing said about so many, like leading me in specifically Brad Pitt is that he's a, character actor with a leading man's face and you can kind of i don't know if i'm looking at a picture of 2011 don Cheadle. i would say that he has a leading man's face specifically in this picture that i'm looking at but he is like he does fit a lot of the the criteria that you'd like look for he he can play big he can play like you know what i'm i'm just falling back on myself now but something about a so many leading men just play themselves essentially and he doesn't do that he plays a different person in every role and maybe that isn't as conducive to like being that all like big time superstar actor yeah well i think he is a phenomenal character actor but when you think of someone trying to compare someone to denzel is very hard because denzel has that just unbelievable charisma i mean i mean denzel walks on screen and like it's like holy shit you know like some people just don't have that you know, watch, smile, yeah, man. some people just don't have that. And I, I don't know. I'm fine. Never like comparing anyone to like saying anyone's a young Denzel ever again. Like we don't <laughs> yeah. need to, we don't need I mean, to try Denzel's to pick Denzel. Them, you know what I mean? Denzel's Denzel. Yeah. I, if I am going to call out one Don Cheadle movie, it would be Volcano. <laughs> I'm joking. It, I do love, I do love Volcano, but. Don Shield's been in, he has been a, a main character in a lot of really, like, really well-known movies. You know what I mean? He He's in, like, Devil in the Blue Dress, which is really respected uh, among, like, actor or, like, film snobs. But he's he's in all different types of movies, and he's just good in everything. And we say that too often, that, he, that people are good. But sometimes if you're just good, you're just good. Don Cheadle is just good. One uh, leading role that I have not seen because it seems too upsetting is Hotel Rwanda. Yeah, same same here. And it's like I feel bad saying I haven't seen it because it's such you know it's such an important topic and some and a topic that you know all of us should learn about so we don't repeat history. Uh, but I ha- I haven't seen it. It's unfortunate. Did His indignation. Oh, go ahead, Craig. Sorry. What do you say? Did he win Best Actor for that? I don't know if he's an Oscar winner. I want to say he's not an Oscar winner. I, I don't think he is either. I, I don't think he is. But, I mean, I, I would just say, suffice it to say that Don Cheadle is an incredibly talented actor, and he's picked really good movies to be in. Um, and I hope he continues to do so. I'll say that. Real quick, we'll kind of talk about the uh, the old dogs in this. Did we talk about Julia Roberts at all? It doesn't matter. No, you blew right through Julia Roberts. My bad. On the other end of this, on the other end of these guys, I'll talk about him. Uh, Carl Reiner and uh, kind of Elliot Gould playing the steady hand. The well, I guess yeah, Gould isn't steady the steady hand. hand. He's 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 playing as big as ever. Yeah, yeah. Ruben is <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, Carl Reiner, of course, just passed away over the summer. Uh, father of Rob Reiner. Yeah, I mean, classic, classic, old old time uh, compatriot of Mel Brooks back in the day. I think he's in the. Mm-hmm. 
2,000 or 3,000 year old man, whatever that is. It's a very famous sketch from back in the day. I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm unfamiliar with it. Let's talk about Julia. What do you guys have to say? What What was your first Julia experience? What do you remember first? Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. See, mine was Flatliners, 1990. I love that movie. Uh, have you seen Flatliners, Brian? Flatliners is so. insanely scary. It's really scary. It definitely kept me up. But it's mind. really good. I, I just remember seeing her and like, who this 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 woman's very good. She's very attractive. Like this is a probably going to be a star, which she obviously turned into be. Um, Flatliners is a Chicago I, movie. Yeah, I thought Flatliners was great. Yeah, she is it. Mm-hmm. Is speaking of a million watt smile, Craig, uh, Julia's got that too, <laughs> and Julia's she just holds smile. your attention. Yeah. So. I, I'll tell you what, anyone who's she's able to she's, a, leave their, she's a star, anyone's able to leave their hus, husband or soon to be husband on the day of their wedding uh, with the best man and still be kind of considered to be like America's sweetheart. You got something. You guys wear the story? <laughs> no, no. She was, she was going to marry Kiefer Sutherland about, uh, and then left with Jason Patrick, the best man the night before or the day of. To Ireland, ran off to Ireland. Oh my gosh! Like real deal. Yeah. Why? I'm not making a story up. Why would I be besmirching? I, I didn't know if that was in a movie or that was if that was real life. Yeah, real that's, life. That's really really crazy, really crazy. Uh, I also anyway, I'm really not here to in the speaking of besmirching. I'm not here to that... besmirch anyone's uh, decisions. Go ahead and do whatever you would, you would like, Julia. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, what? Yeah, do whatever you got to do. I think we're all big I fans of the Pelican Brief. I, I don't. I, I really like it. I don't know about you guys, but it's one of those movies that. Speaking of Denzel, I, 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 I've always really liked that movie. And it's not the it, best movie. I mean, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes score, it's not the best movie, but it's, I really like it. Is that a Grisham? Because if it is, it's not my favorite Grisham. I don't it's even Grisham, know if it's yeah. in my top three Grisham movies. Oh, really? Adaptations. Well, I think it's great. All right, let's get to the reception here. we got to move out of the cast. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say fair. 83 and 80 in terms of uh, the critics and the audience. Raj gave it three stars. I... Yeah, I would say both are fair, although, I mean, 80% audience score, I can't imagine not liking this movie. You know, I mean, I really, I really can't. Can you, I mean, can you pick a lot of faults and like, oh, this movie isn't an entertaining movie to watch? Like, I just can't imagine someone saying, oh, this is not a good movie to watch. I just can't imagine. That. Oh, yeah, I agree. I'd say only people who, who are trying to find fault in say, well, they're trying way too hard. They have way too many stars. It's, it's over the top. But that's, if you have a problem with that, that's a problem with y'all. You know, because this is a, this is a good movie. Yes. And though that like star kind of power makes it because you're you're buying into them kind of being a like a cool kind of cool team. I would agree. If with that. I'm gonna just throw a quick fault out there, Linus would have always had to been the guy who had to go and get the the codes. That was why he was there. He was the pickpocket. They like throw it on him last second. Is that only to like? like throw him into it. So hopefully he doesn't think about it too much because if that's not the reason, then there's no chance that Danny was ever going to go up there. Uh, Tony Benedict knows everything that's going on in his casinos. He's going to know if freaking Tess's ex-husband's there. Well, are we, are we going to break this down right now? Or do we have this later? The, the Soderbergh method of keeping the audience in the, not in the know. And uh, like the, the character's, are not in the know, but they're actually in the know, you know, they like all of that stuff with, with Tess, it's, they know about this. Like the characters would know about all of this stuff. 
and the fact that they don't is um, is ridiculous. That's a good uh, primer. Let's hold the rest of it, and then we'll uh, kind of get into it. This movie made $450 million on an $85 million budget. Wow. Humongous success. I, by the way, it's an $85 million budget. Why is why are all these people taking pay cuts? Just because there's so many of them in it, I guess. Yeah, well, because like, I mean, some of these guys are probably getting 15, 20 mil a movie at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I think it's when that, I think of this movie, quickly. the thing in my head is that Elvis, uh, little less conversation, a little more action, but yeah. it actually does have a yeah. score. Brian, you want to take us through kind of the soundtrack and the score of this movie? Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a short score on this, Anthony and I, but before I kind of talk about, you know, my overall feelings, like what are your guys' impressions of this score before I kind of like go into my analysis of it. I love the score. It's such a cool score. And, and and some of the lounge kind of loungy kind of music, it just, it just makes me want to go to Vegas or sit in a lounge and have a cocktail. I, I it gives me, it has a real feel for I mean, I think yeah. they captured a feel very well. I agree. So I tried to break it down a little bit when I was watching it this time. I don't think I like it that much. They have this like this kind of weird sound effecty kind of like, like like whatever like brian can break down a short score but like they're using like uh like some soundy sound effect kind of things i i don't think i'd like to listen to that as music very interesting well that's not that's not what you should judge a score on you should judge it on it's in the movie which you may not it seems like you also don't like but i don't think you should judge a score on whether you can listen to it solo because it's it's there to enhance the film that's Broman's criteria right there. If it's on his work playlist, if you guys have been listening to Short Score, yep. that is a song or that's a score he likes. It's an important part. Yeah, absolutely. That's, well, fair. that's fair. That's fair. But I think, okay, at the, at the, this is an interesting question. At the Oscars, when they do best score, are they judging it solely on the score itself or are they judging on it, it in comparison to the movie that they're watching? I think it has to be in comparison to the movie that you're watching. All right, that's it. That's I rest my case, and it's fair. To, and it's fair to uh, only want it when it's, or only like really know it's a great one if it makes it onto Brian's uh, playlist. I will not question his methods because the short score is great, and he knows a lot more about music. Sure. So you're Craig. So you kind of talked about there's an electronic sound. It makes sense. It's David Holmes is the composer. He's an Irish musician and composer, but he is known for this kind of electronic situation that he he does. Um, he is a longtime collaborator of Steven Soderbergh, uh, so it makes sense. He's done quite a few of his movies. But this score specifically, I like quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of diversity. Andy, you kind of played on the lounge feel. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's kind of a what I call a dark swank, right, to a lot of it. Think about like a Ooh, candlelit dark jazz swank. club and love that. Yeah, Tess is a, a track on the on the soundtrack that's a really good example of this. There's kind of that upright bass, that the dom dom, you know, that whole thing, mm-hmm. and then this kind of jazz percussive rhythm with a uh whatever those sticks are called that are yeah do you know what i like to call a dark swank boys don't cry what <laughs> wow that was that was quite the reference <laughs> all right but Sorry. um kind of no beyond that there is there's the you know papa loves mambo by carrie como everyone knows that song it's a great song then you have kind of this weird hippie groove kind of scene which is like caravan the arthur lyman group this is it's kind of this weird like age of aquaria ish sound and then to get more into the orchestral side like a more traditional score we have dream 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 uh perry faith and his orchestra that's kind of like that big band it's a waltz kind of has that like a lot of string a lot of string 
and then we'll, we'll talk about this a little more extensively. I think we need to talk about it quite extensively. Claire de Lune by Debussy. So kind of a, there's a lot going on in the soundtrack and it's great, but we'll get way into it in short score. Okay. So when we're talking score, I'm talking about kind of the, the, the music that goes between scenes and things that, that kind of, they keep hearkening back to. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking. That's what I think a score is to me is the, is there a sound of the, of the film? And you have comedies that have music that are just songs played. And then you have other the films composition. that are like, okay, this is, yeah. I don't like the composition in this, but I do like some of the music. I'll say that. Gotcha. I mean, obviously, if you don't like Claire de Lune, you're crazy. Yeah. But some of the, in like the, the Vegas, or the, the Elvis stuff and Papa Loves Mambo, like, I like those. I don't like the, the kind of interlude songs between scenes and stuff. Yeah, so what you're getting at is the difference between a, a score and a soundtrack. A score is something specifically composed for that film, and a soundtrack yep. could be anything. It could be like right. any music overall. So you don't like you don't like David Holmes's take on this, is what you're saying. I think that's true. Cool. Um, well, I mean that's that's a very valid point. That's of course uh, it's it's got kind of a, a jazzy feel to most of it, but I, I like the diversity. But the diversity comes from not the score; it comes from the soundtrack. So there is something to that for sure. Brian, I read that Soderbergh likes to have kind of more minimalist soundtracks. Would you describe this in that in that vein? Uh, only in the sense that it's not a very complex soundtrack. I wouldn't say that the scoring is minimal, but it's not. There's not a lot of substance to it. It's kind of just like a um, jazzy, loungy, mm-hmm. vibey kind of vamp. It's not like. You know, you think about other soundtracks, which wouldn't make sense to be, of course, but like, um, you know, the ones with like big soaring melodies and things like that. This is just isn't that. It's just, it's just kind of like a it's a vamp. That's the best word for it, I think. All right, we are done talking about lounge music. On the other end of this break, we're gonna be talking about the lounges themselves. Hey, y'all! It's Brian and Anthony, and we're the co-hosts of Short Score, a mini series where we cover the music in our favorite films. Join us each week as we talk about the composers and scoring that make our favorite movies come alive. Find us on the Gene Picks feed wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you there. All right, we're back with Gene Picks. In the third, in Ocean's Thirteen, they talk about how the old Vegas is completely gone and is now just this like current the current version, which is basically a corporate a corporatization of Vegas. When did you guys, meaning the older brothers, go for the first time? I went in college um, a couple times or several times, I would say. So probably 2001, two, three, somewhere in that realm. Yeah, somewhere around there. You definitely weren't in college in 2003, I don't think. Were you? No, I wasn't. I graduated in 2002, but I turned 21 in like two, 2000. My first trip was 2004, I would say. And I think I went again in 2005. So probably a little so bit. So you guys were going basically in the Ocean's Eleven era. Yes. Andy more yeah. more so. Uh and like the little bit after the swingers era, which is seems very old Vegas in the in the like accoutrement of that movie. Yeah. I think they make a point though in in, in swingers of going to an, the other area of the strip that's that's older. They they do, but that doesn't even really exist anymore, right? Because when I went, it's basically all new casinos or or some of the ones that were there then, but like revamped. I don't know. Is is Tropicana? Are those are those still there? I don't know if it's there. 
Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. And Luxor and stuff. Those are, I guess, what? Those are older, but they're certainly not 1960s Vegas, you know? Yeah. So I went, I went, I stayed at New York, New York when I was there. And that's right across the street from WGM where I spent a lot of time. But I also went down to like Bellagio. I went down to like those. But so the Bellagio was like newer back then, right? Well, Bellagio opened in 98. And I think I went in like 2001 ish. Um, so newer so, back then. Or, yeah. So definitely new. I mean, it was, it was, it was so new that it was, it was insanely expensive to stay there. Like there was like no way I was to stay there as a college kid. Like it was just very expensive. It was really, I mean, we walked through there, of course, but everything was pretty expensive. I'll save my, uh, my story about Vegas until we get to Linus. Okay. Well, I'll say even, so I, I have still this, this view of Bellagio as like the, the pinnacle it may not be now, but when we went there two years ago for the conference, we we got dinner at Bellagio, and it was like, wow, this is, you know, it's pretty high class here, you know? Well, does it have, like, one of the newer restaurants? Because they've started, I mean, they, they were probably doing it back in that day, too, but they've really started, like, picking a restaurateur and be like, come have your restaurant in, in my humongous casino. And a lot of have been accepting that offer. Yeah, true. I think it was. I think they they always kind of had. It was always. I'm not sure if it was well known restaurant tours, but it was always really nice restaurants in these places. Brian, you mentioned Milk Bar right before we got on air. There's of course a Milk Bar there and a Momofuku. Yeah. I don't remember. I can't remember what casino oh. there. It doesn't matter. Uh, but well, me, this seems like a go ahead, Andy. Well, so let me let me ask you this: As people who've been to Vegas, what's your what's your opinion on Vegas? Is it different now than it was when you were younger, or yeah, what would I've only been once and it was pretty recently. Okay. Well, I'll say Vegas to me is different because I want to do different things. I don't want to go clubbing and I never wanted to gamble really. So if I'm going to gamble, it's going to be maybe like one night for a couple hours. So I would say, yeah, it's different. With the Bud, with more, the bud Lights flowing. Bud Lights. Yeah. I'd be focusing more <laughs> on the restaurants and stuff like that. Yeah, I would agree. Else. My, my Vegas like, is different lounging you know totally kind of kicking back you know and this and you could have gone and seen the amazing uh the amazing yen yeah that's that's true well actually this is kind of fun because craig and i i remember last weekend we were at a lounge craig and cindy and i we were talking about let's let's discuss a perfect vegas trip um and 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 yeah it's mostly based on getting going to some nice restaurants maybe seeing a show maybe just chilling by the pool a very brief gambling session, but you know, there's nothing of like, Oh, let's go to the clubs and stuff like that, which was what it was for me 20 years ago. Well, I've asked on this very podcast for a post pandemic Vegas trip. I've never been to Vegas before. So, Oh, we should definitely do it then. Cause it, it, we would have a fun time because essentially it's, we all like to get in a, get in a suit every once in a while. And essentially we can just, you can just suit up. You can go walk through the casino, go to a lot. There's a million lounges that are super nice. Have a drink go to a nice dinner, go to another bar. I mean, it's just like everything's so compact. You can just do that literally in one casino. Like you could say, all right, we're just going to go to restaurants and lounges in one casino complex. We, I, I can guarantee you we'd have a lot of fun. So I'm in. We, we did have a, a pretty great suit up night at Craig's bachelor party in Montreal. That was pretty great. Really good. I'm, I'm on record as always being down for a suit night. We have a damn award in this podcast called where in the hell are that suit award i'm into suits we yeah. we're all we, into we suits. like suit night well let's let's do a post-pandemic vegas trip then i'm in 
Sounds good. And that is as good a place as any to end the city spotlight. And this next segment is a, what I hope will become a recurring segment, special segment today called games. And it's because there had been some complaints that Andy didn't know a very big plot point of Den of Thieves last week. There have been some complaints. (laughs) He made an unforgivable mistake, Brian. Oh, well, but what was it? Well, the, the complaints have been, is Andy even watching these movies? Because if he if he had been, how could he even made it? I, of course, have been submitting all of these complaints. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is I watched it literally <laughs> the, the day before, and I knew the plot. I think my brain just turned off all of a sudden. All right. Well, I'll, you can I'll, prove I'll, it. You can I was prove trying it. to resurrect people from the dead. Uh, oh. You can prove it by doing well in this game. It's a little okay. game I like to call, if you had to guess, would you say yes? And the way this game is played is you will buzz in with a buzz sound and they're yes, no questions. Do I make a buzz sound? And they're not sound? even questions or statements, really. Yeah, you make a buzz sound. You go buzz and I'll call on you. Okay. Uh, there are six questions. Hopefully it's not a tie. Question number one. Danny goes to Atlantic City on his first night out. Correct. Yes. Question number two. Correct. Question number two. Rusty goes to talk to Saul at the horse track. Buzz. Yes. No, that was me. I buzzed first. Uh, well, I buzzed first, first. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> it sounded like they were uh, about the same. Craig, you're incorrect. Andy? No. You're also in. Oh, yeah, you're, you're correct. Sorry. It's at the dog track. <laughs> Sorry. It's at the dog track. Uh, yes. Oh, that's a racetrack. Am I wrong? That's a racetrack. I said horse track. Yeah, you're not, you didn't listen to the dude's story. You're like a child wandering in, in the middle of a movie, in the middle of a question. The Malloy brothers are from Provo. Z- yes. Andy. Andy has two. Question number four. The mainframe couplet is what had been nosed right up. Z- yes. Craig. Correct. Be- tied it to. Brian, you got to get in. There's, o- there's only two answers. You got a 50-50 chance even if you don't know the answer. I mean, probably didn't watch the movie. That's clear. <laughs> uh, number five. Frank Catton's assumed name is Raymond. Z- no. Craig takes the lead. Ramon. Ramon. Yeah. Question number six. The last one, if anyone other than Andy gets it right. Ruben and Tony push the detonator at Ruben's old casino's demolition. Hold on. I believe that sounded at the same time. That sounded at the same time. Uh, All right. Think of a number between one and ten, both of you. Got it. Got it. Let's hear it. Six. Five. It's seven. And uh, Craig, you get to make your guess first. I think the answer is... Oh, I know who it is. Answer is no. For a bonus point, who is it? It is the two boxers. Uh, Lennox Lewis and um, the other guy. Andre Kirilenko, I believe, or something like that. Or not, yeah. Actually, that might have been a basketball player. No. Craig, you have won. Yeah, no, you had to guess. Would you say yes? Four to two. Uh, Andy, you proved that you probably wow. watched the movie. Brian, now I'm looking at you. Maybe <laughs> you can redeem yourself. Week. Maybe you can redeem yourself next week during games. This it has been games. Uh, during games. Yeah. Speaking of games, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Poker Night in America. Uh-huh. Just fleecing the actors for me is just like a chef's kiss. How many of those guys did you it's recognize? Re- guys and gal. All. Uh, Go for Grace. Joshua, Joshua Jackson, Holly Marie, maybe Shane, who's Shane West. I think he's the guy who had like a buzz cut who I did recognize, but I don't, oh. 
know who he I don't know who Barry Watson is, and I didn't recognize Holly Marie Combs either. No, just Topher Grace and Joshua Jackson, really. Brian, I recognize, recognize Holly Marie Combs because I think she she was in Charmed or one of those shows around that time. Yeah, she was she was in Charmed. Uh, Barry Barry Watson. I'm um, looking at pictures right now. I don't know if I know this guy. Brian, did you recognize any of them? Uh, Topher Grace. I know Topher Grace. And Joshua Jackson. Do you recognize him, Brian? Well, he Brian uh, was not like watching television, watching that television when Dawson's Creek was on. I am true, true. No, okay. When was it on? Like 90s. late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, I was like in first grade. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So there's a uh, there's like kind of the back of the convertible shot in this. I've kind of pointed out in other movies that I was a big fan of it. Uh, they they have that in the. Uh, Cliff Booth movie. Uh, Once upon a time. Once upon a time in America or in Hollywood, with going to the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. And they do it in this movie too, like when they're driving out of when they're driving away from, like fleecing the actors. Mm -hmm. I really like it. I I don't know. It's just like a cool convertible back of the convertible shot that I think is just a really. I don't know why I dig it so much and why I always pull it out, but I do. I like it a lot. So in a bad move, in a bad version of this movie, I, I have a feeling that uh, Danny and Rusty would have been like climbing up the side of that building. But in this version, which is a lot better and a lot more realistic, is they probably just paid off the doorman or just like done a favor for him in the past. Yeah, that's a definite Danny move. That that's the thing. So that that could be like a charm of this this franchise or a, a stick that you don't really like is that. Danny knows everybody mm-hmm. and there's no backstory into why that's the case. Well, you know what it is? I think it's just like doing favors for people and you're right. How does he know this guy? Who knows? But in the 13th in Ocean's 13, I I keep calling it the 13th, but it's the third. <laughs> uh in Ocean's 13, it's like I know all the guys you'd call and they like me better. Yeah, agreed. Yep. Then they the crew goes over like the getting the gang back together team uh, scene we don't really have to go through all of them i just i don't know why i am drawn to ruben in this movie i have so much fun with his scenes he's good he's really good yeah he's great like trying to pawn off remaindered furniture on him as they're walking away <laughs> I, I you know this is classic i mean who knows if that was eating that that was probably the ad-libbed you know because it's just or at least written in late in the script just to, just for fun I, I always love that kind of stuff yeah, it's just a throwaway gag that is just so much, uh, yeah. like, so perfect for the character. And then we get to Chicago, my stomping grounds. And yes. I would like to say I have the exact Emmett's to Vegas story that Linus does. Really? And it takes place two or three St. Patrick's Days ago. Okay. Uh, I had to work in the morning. I was going to Vegas. It's my one and only Vegas trip, uh, staying at New York, New York. Mitch, my dear friend, was not getting there until the next day. Uh, but uh, my friend Tyler and I were like, it's cheaper to go like n- n- night before and just kind of stay up all night. <laughs> so I worked the on St. Patrick's Day morning shift. Then I went to Emmett's at which uh, there were some bagpipes being played. A lot of fun. Had some real big Guinnesses. Too big. And some unfortunate Jameson shot. Jameson I shots. think Craig, you instituted a no shot rule oh. a while ago, and it's a good it's a good policy. Good, yeah, it's a good policy. Then go to the uh, airport, get on the plane Southwest, 
some for some reason they are just this guy's feeding me free Jack Daniels. I order one, like a Jack and Coke. Don't get charged. Order like three more. Oh not getting gosh. charged. Oh my god. On like the I don't know if it was the fourth or the fifth. And that's the problem. I was running into a big I made a big mistake here. And that was having came, four or five drinks on the You plane. came in too hot. You came in came way too in hot. Way too hot. But only got charged for one. Only got charged for the last one. It was insane. I it was one of those things I you had to keep you know what? You you play against the house long enough, you keep making the same bets and they're gonna take you. Yeah. Yeah. I raised the stakes. <laughs> anyway get there we're having a grand old time walking up and down not up and down the strip like up and then down once the strip went to like uh-huh. several different casinos had a great time we're playing craps everywhere up like we we decided to pool our money we're up like 300 i ended up up on this trip by the way which is that's great really fun that's why you haven't gone back yeah having a great time and then I start playing poker. I'm doing pretty well, and I am turning into a zombie. Just Mitch crazy gets tired. there some like several hours later, and I go to the room. I stay in the room for at least 24 hours. <laughs> I throw up a couple of times. Oh man, it's really really bad. And I was just like shaking uncontrollably. Trip trip was bad over. times, and that is my one and only Vegas trip. Yeah, I need to I, go I, back to like actually experience it. I think we have to yeah. not do that timeline. I think that's a bit much. I think it came in just incredibly hot. Uh, I was like, what's his face in Glitterat- Glitterati or whatever? Glitterama. What's his name? Don't, yeah, don't Victor? be there. Yeah. Victor, I think. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you don't want to be there. Yeah. No, real bad. Anyway, let's get back to the movie. Basically, the <laughs> gang gets together at Ruben's. Uh, someone wrote down Bastard's face when Rusty understands yin's chinese i don't think that's what oh. it is because i was just watching it again i don't think that's what it is i think it's when uh he makes the face when rusty says that tunneling out won't be an option because that's his thing he's the tunnel guy probably i, I don't think uh, so so i think that's what is i do because everyone understands him no no one understands china i mean rusty understands chinese yes they do that, that's a crazy that's, thing everyone understands yin is my point Everyone I don't think, can I don't, communicate with Yen. Throughout the series, anyone can communicate with Yen. If it's your understanding that randomly everyone else is learning Chinese, I think that's unrealistic. It's just a thing in the movie where everyone understands them. It's a Soder, Soderberghism. So I, I disagree. I, I, I'm still holding I, I, I think Basher's face is just like, wait a minute, Rusty speaks Chinese? I think that's the face. And it's phenomenal. And I think it's about not being able to tunnel out. We can move on. No, I, I'm I'm thinking back to this actually. I, I I agree with Alex. I'm thinking back to this. Like, oh, yeah. All right. I um, I'm in the minority, but I think I'm right. Thank you, Craig. They get into the job real quick, and it's in. Oh yeah, for sure. We talked about it, like in Inception. They don't get into the job until halfway through the movie. The gang mm-hmm. is together at like minute twenty, and then everything the kind of starts. We don't really, I feel like we can just kind of jump to the heist. One thing I do want to talk about is the demolition because there are two real fun, uh, fun parts of that, which obviously when everyone turns around except for Danny and Linus, that's a very cool shot. But I think I was thinking about the basher watching on TV, the demolition when it's happening behind him, when they brought down Trump's old casino a couple weeks ago. 
that's like what flashed in my head. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I like it. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, let's just get to the heist. What do you guys have to let's talk about it? Well, it's a very well thought out heist and it's so cool the way I mean the way they put it together. I I mean it's just, it's classic. I mean that's why you know this movie is as good as it is because when you see how they put it together and how it comes out, like you just smile every time and it's just that's a oh that's a funny about I think especially this type of heist movie, not the not the um smash and grab heist movies, but these heist movies that require, you know, thought and things like that. It's just so much fun. Well, they're more con men. They're not so much uh like yeah. robbers. They are robbers. That's they're thieves, but they're like they're doing it in a different way. Yeah. Craig, this would be a good point to have that conversation about like the Steven Soderbergh way of setting this up where we're going we're we're along for the ride where some of the things don't really hold up after you know the whole gambit yeah. like the Linus situation Russ hang like leaving Linus hanging during that it gets me every single time like and whatever you do under no circumstances and then yeah. uh what's his name's like Russ he's like and he walks off it's so good but anyway yeah, yeah. this would be a good time That's to have great. that conversation That's about kind of like Linus is uh, Linus obviously was going to do that job the whole time. Danny never could have. So yeah. uh, that's one of those things. The bruiser situation stretches credulity a little bit. Yeah, because they could have walked at any time. I mean, mm-hmm. I that's mean, any time. That's that the problem. It could have been any bruiser, you know? <laughs> yeah. I guess he knows I mean, them all, it, though. Yeah. This is one of those yeah, one of those movies that you, you do have to suspend you suspend reality disbelief. to a certain degree. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, to make everything work, it's we've seen a lot of these movies where literally everything has to work 100% perfectly for it to work at all, and uh, this is one of them. And, I mean, it's fun to watch those, but, yeah, I mean, you, you can't look into it too much. Uh, when Frank steps to Linus, which kind of sets off the, the gambit, uh, it gets me every time. Because Linus is just – Matt Damon plays such a good butt of the joke in the, this series <laughs> – especially yeah. 12 uh mm. he's very funny and i i'm glad that he does a fair amount of comedies i wish he would do more especially now like just do some comedies matt damon yeah 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 at around this time of course uh, the fight is about to start ruben uh with a humongous cigar right behind ruben mm-hmm. has his own look in this we talk about tony benedict's look ruben has <laughs> yeah. his own look in this uh, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it's great Especially like right after the lights come back on, by the way, he turns around Ruby's like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I, I love really long cigars. Like just ridiculously long cigar. Like how do you get through one of those things, man? So definitely sometime I want to, if I get called to the ER or something like that, I want to walk in and say, did someone call a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully wearing a ridiculous wig. Yeah. I'd love it if you had the yeah. wig on. I read that, that should be a pretty good uh, Halloween costume that no one would get. Yeah, no one would get it. You, you want to hear a crazy of... fun fact? Go ahead, Andy. That wig, if I'm not mistaken, that is the same wig that uh, Aust- they used in Austin Powers movie. Huh. What? Hold on. I'm almost positive. Are you I saying, read that somewhere. Are you saying the that, same they, that wig. specific wig? Yes. That wig. Huh. I read that somewhere. It, I, I, it, it could a huge production. It could thing. be wrong. It could be wrong, but I, I'm almost positive. Uh, we talk about control rooms a lot on this. We do get a fair amount of control room work during the heist. Also, in not very secure control room, 
two, no, four of the 11 make it into the control room. And then yeah, in 13, exactly. another insecure yeah. control room, they get something to shut the whole thing down into the control room. Yeah. Yeah. These control rooms, which he claims that the Danny claims at the beginning is, is like second to none. Not that secure. Turns out. Yeah. Not to mention Tess is walking in and out. <laughs> yep. Maybe With you should be here. She knows in her pocket. Yeah, the the cell phone gambit works mm. twice in this series. It also works in thirteen. Yeah, if they had if they had the thirteen technology by eleven, they would just use the cell phone that's in her pocket that she does not know about. Mm-hmm. Instead, boom, right there. Good call. Too bad they didn't have you don't that need technology. A, um, you don't need a pinch. This is the second movie, of course, that uses a pinch. Uh, we talked a little bit about the ability to shut down uh, or shrink down the size of the pinch last week. I want to talk about the ability to maybe elongate the ability for it to do something. And I have a couple questions here. One is, so it's able to shut down all of Vegas for 30 seconds. This big one is in Ocean's Eleven. In Den of Thieves, it's able to mess up one camera for some amount of time. Is the like shrinking down of its task what's making it able to have a longer battery life. Like a whole city seems like pretty hard thing to do. I don't know. Anyway. Well, also I think that I read that, um, that pinch to set, to shut down all of Vegas would have to be much larger than the one they had in the, in the movie, much, much larger. Hmm. So even that is too small. That's an RTZ. Yeah. What's the science behind a pinch? Is it just like a surge? Yeah. It's like an electromagnetic surge. That is okay. instead of Hiroshima, you get uh, the 17th century that used in this. Yeah. Um, anyway, Matt or sorry, Linus and Danny get down into the into the vault. Yin's already in the vault. We can talk about. We should have probably mentioned the Malloy's basically playing uh, every character, every yeah. single character. It's probably the Han of this franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think great. the Han. I think Han was a guy who could get anywhere when they the were building the team in Fast Five. Uh, mm-hmm. blah 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 I guess they get the money we can kind of be done here I don't know if I have any more like big time scenes I want to talk about or big time things I want to talk about but I do have one potential marriage ending question for Craig Okay. if you are in a situation where you have been robbed for $160 million um, and you can get it back you have the opportunity to get it back but you have to leave Cindy would you take it so interestingly, as we were watching this, right, I immediately said I, I wouldn't take it. <laughs> I bet Cindy probably. It's easy to that. say. It's like it's easy to have principles when things are good. Uh, it's easy to say until you're in the situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing. Uh, very strong marriage. Happy for both of you. <laughs> well, we're we're obviously going to talk about probably one of the best innings ever, right? I mean, as far as the best. One of the best heist crew wrap-up scenes. Oh, yeah. I mean, this being in front of the Bellagio Fountains with one of my favorite songs of all time, our dad's favorite, one of the favorite songs of all time, Claire de Lume, is just one of the best. I mean, just I love a, a good heist crew wrap-up in general, but this took it to another level. Like just when, they, when you kind of you do the job, the whole crew's together, they're all smiling, they're all – happy we talked about this with fast five when there's a kind of a fun crew wrap-up scene there but just unbelievable and alex you made the point of blush i was like you thought that was the song 
because it's so yeah, good. I it's did. so perfect for the fountains. You thought that was the song. See, the difference between this and a Fast and Furious franchise would be Corona. Obviously, you have to have a Corona. In and hand. then going their and separate ways. Either at a beach. Yeah, either at a beach or on a rooftop talking about Familia. Yeah, yeah. That's the difference. I would agree. Nothing does better than this, in my opinion. There's something about just them. It's such a good. They just peel off. They go their separate ways. It's it's really good. They are happy now until the beginning of Ocean's Twelve when they find out that they're calling it Ocean's Eleven instead of the Benedict job. Oh really? Yeah. That's like the when the gang gets together in Ocean's Twelve. That's like what they're complaining about. It's like who decided oh, okay. that it was going to be called Ocean's Eleven? Because I thought we all agreed it was going to be called the Benedict job. <laughs> So that that's a um, that's a gripe I have, and you need it. You need that to happen to to prompt them to do more. Obviously, Notion is twelve, but I don't I don't like it. They they just pulled off the job of their lives, and then Benedict like hunts hunts each of them down. So like it wasn't that good, right? If they all get caught. True. True. Yeah, I agree. I, I do agree with that. Craig, let me pitch an alternate very end of this movie, okay? We just pulled the job of our lives. Tess, let's be together. <laughs> if that wasn't a setup, I don't know what was. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway. All right. Go ahead, Andy. Or Brian. Well, I was going to say we needed just one more time talk about how great Claire de Lune is. It's great. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. I kind of I kind of moved off that. Perfect piece. I think it's yeah, I think it's up there with my favorite like slower classical piece with like Elgar's Nimrod. I mean, it's so good, so beautiful. However, in terms of the endings, I'm still going to say that the ending of Inception was better from a scoring perspective. Interesting. Okay. Time, that time piece that was playing. Time is, Love yeah, it. time is just phenomenal. You're right. So good. But this is also still great. I love the the storyline of the ending as well, but... And oh, of course, clearly. I, I want to make a can I make a quick music thing? This is not on topic at all, except for talking about music really quickly and scores. Brian, wow. I was listening to this short score, and I noticed Anthony mentioned that the twenty forty nine, Blade Runner twenty forty nine soundtrack. You yeah. you've got to listen to it. You are going to love it. It's gonna be it's gonna be on you your work playlist. It. I can guarantee it. Well, yeah, you should watch the movie, which is on HBO right now. But it is uh, that soundtrack is going to be on your playlist work playlist. I can guarantee it. Yeah, isn't that the one you told me I would like a lot? Yeah, because I like Hans you, Zimmer. You yeah. will love it. Oh, yeah, I'll get into it. Anyway, let's get let's open up the awards bag and let's ask. I'm gonna ask you guys this question: What's your favorite scene? Oof. Well, I'm I'm going Claire Lune ending. I mean, I have to. It's just yep. that good. Agreed. Absolutely. I'm on board with that. Otherwise, it's the heist. But the heist is like a million. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> yeah. Alex, since Claire Lune's already won, I'll go along and just make it a. Unanimous four team. for four. Unanimous. Um, okay. I was trying. I, I was taking a second to think if there was any like specific little gag that would rise above it, and I don't think there. I don't think there is. So I'll go with that one. Okay. Because there aren't really scenes in this movie. Yeah. Can we discuss Alex real quick? That much like um, Alec Baldwin in Thirty Rock, you've got Clooney just wearing a tux. He's wearing a tux when he gets out of prison the first time, which we don't exactly know what he was doing. Uh, Right before he got caught and went to prison, and you got Clooney wearing a tux again, coming out of this. Okay, um, a couple things. One, I think any excuse to wear a tux, and two, he got arrested uh, trying to. If 
if we're yeah. to believe the narrator with Rusty trying to move uh, Incan matrimonial head masks, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is he wearing a tux just because it's fight night or because he's in Vegas? He's at like the slot machine, let's be honest. Yeah, I think he's, he's like wearing night. tux when he's in Vegas. Which means, yeah. which begs the question, when we go to Vegas, should we all wear tuxes? I'm fine with no, that. No, because... Yeah, our suit's enough. I Suits are enough. I don't think you can pull off... If you don't have an excuse to be wearing a tux, which brings me back to the point where I think it's... We should really be talking about this under uh, who wore the hell... Uh, where in the hell out of that suit award. But anyway. Uh, well, let's make that a word right now. Let's talk if, about it. Yeah, let's open it. Let's do that one. Because... I don't think you can wear a tux for no reason. I think you have to have an excuse, which makes me think he's wearing it because it's fight night. I Or that's his I, excuse to be wearing it. I would agree. You can't wear a tux for no reason. But I think walking around Vegas, going out to a nice dinner, going to a lounge is a reason enough. That's the reason. And that's fine. I think it's a, that's an acceptable reason to wear a tux. Anyone else? No, I think it's pretty easy to find a reason to wear a tux if you really try. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. You don't need... So no one's going to ask or someone may ask you like why are you wearing a tux but it's unlikely. Yeah, it's unlikely. You know? So so from a like cultural standpoint, like is it normal to walk around wearing a tux? Not necessarily, but if it's like I'm just doing my thing here, the real question is are you comfortable doing it to your, you know, yourself? I, I am. I mean, let's say yeah. It's, it depends where you're at. If you're walking around Bourbon Street in in you know, in New Orleans wearing a tux, it's kind of look kind of weird. If you're walking around the Bellagio in a tux, it's not going to look weird. I'm gonna. I'll stick. I'm, I'm not stick walking around Bourbon Street. I'm not walking around Bourbon well, Street. In I'm not either. New Orleans. Craig, you and I had that. We we walked through there, and it was the worst part of yeah my trip to New Orleans by far. I think I had much you more look, fun in the uh, whatever the starts with an I can't think of the name oh. of the neighborhood uh, that we went and saw. We were up on the second floor, and we went to yeah. a couple uh, jazz places. That was much more fun. A lot of fun. Well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we all, we all well know that we don't we don't like Bourbon Street, but I literally like a block away from Bourbon Street in the French Quarter is perfectly fine. But Bourbon Street is not my thing at all. Just those places are terrible for me. I mean, but I love the French Quarter and I really love New Orleans. A couple other nominees here are, of course, Tony Benedict for <laughs> wearing the hell out suit award, and I'm going to give Mr. Zerga, aka Saul, but Saul as Mr. Zerga, a shout out here as well because I think he's wearing the hell out of that suit. We got Rusty every scene, I, including when it makes no sense, like when when they're in the when they're in the like warehouse pushing boxes, Rusty's wearing a suit still for some reason. Uh but I think those four. Those four. And Danny. There you go. Who do you have, Brian? Well, I say you have to admire Tony Benedict because he it's a it's a fashion choice, shall we say, and he's he's really wearing it with some confidence. He's going over the top with it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, his outfits are are crazy, and he is. I mean, he's wearing the hell out of it. I don't think it's necessarily good, but he's sure wearing the hell out of <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, you know what I think it is. Cool. I think if you updated, like, let's say, what a like nobleman in the eighteen hundreds or maybe seventeen hundreds would wear, and you just updated it to today's standards, like that's what it would be. I don't know what the whole that's like vest situation because one of it looked like a sweater but i think it was a vest that was fight that was the fight night it's look. a vest um yeah it's a vest. did you guys look i don't know if it was a vest because of just how it looked it was almost like you would but, like uh uh button it to the inside of your jacket it was a very well, strange look it almost yeah, looked like chain mail i pull up on the document it, it, it there's no buttons i don't think there's no buttons on the you're right there's 
no central buttons. I don't know where it might be button in the back. It's a weird looking vest. I'll say that. And then I sent you guys an image to our pink chat uh, with another look of his. And I'd like you to take a look because it's like in there's one layer and then the other side is over. It's like a very broad double breasted probably. But it's a vest, a double breasted vest. It's it's a wrapped yeah it's a double-breasted wrapped vest with a cummerbund yeah it, it is it, he, yeah the cummerbund is a completely different looks. thing too it's like a flower i actually really like that look this i'm this not complaining about us. this one i'll say that i mean anytime you can like tactfully integrate like a shimmery gold into an outfit and not make it look gaudy i'm you're, you're, you're into it. oh absolutely any sort of like black and metallic color if it doesn't look stupid i'm super there to wear it brian what do you think about that uh do the cummerbund and the vest clash at all in a bad way uh i don't love cummerbunds personally but, but I, I think it's too much judging clutter, it but yeah objectively judging this no i don't think you do because it's black it goes with and the jacket's really nice it's like a nice structured jacket with some sort of embellishment on the lapel that i think is quite nice as well I'm into it. Champagne colored tie. Come on. So who wins? What would you say Rusty's premier suit in this is, by the way? Ted probably Nugent. on the high, high, probably Heist Night. He has a good suit on Heist Night. Anyway, who do you guys pick as winner of the uh, Wearing the Hell Out of Suit Award? I'm going with Clooney's tux because I just like a nice classic tux. Yeah. I'm doing Tony Benedict. I want to wow. see you pull that off, Brian. I want you. Benedict. If we're going to Vegas, I'm going to put this plug out. I want to see Brian Figure out how to get that tux. I want you to, wear, I want you to walk around so, that tux. So there was this. Yeah, um, here for like. There was this article in maybe an Esquire or GQ. Craig, I think you might have given it to me, which was like Chang, Aziz Ansari, and someone else. Do you remember who the third person was? Yeah, the lead singer of LCD Sound System. Yep, that's right. Uh, went to Tokyo and like they landed, and the first thing they did was go get fitted for a suit, and then like went and picked it up later. If I have a bachelor party, that is something that's, that I want part of to it. do. Potentially even I like suits that. for the wedding. Who knows? But yeah, uh, That's a real good idea. Uh, it just well, seems like a we, real good time. I think what, what we do, Alex, is we'll go somewhere where the suits are probably not super expensive. By the way, I'm not, I just need to make this clear. Long, I'm nowhere near a wedding at this point. But uh, it's, Al, how about how we do uh, Ha Long Bay in Vietnam, which is insanely pretty. Maybe they have a good suit maker over there. You can check it out. I bet they have a good suit maker. Uh, we don't need to be planning locations at this point. Uh, okay. It's just it's something just that I've been thinking about con- since reading that article. Stuff. Okay. That sounds reasonable. I brought that up for some reason, and I'll give Danny uh, Danny the best look as well. Okay. Also, I'm, I'm at odds here. Well, you're, you're, you're just going a little bit more flashy because his are way more flashy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also the second movie in a row that we've watched in which someone has been being like fitted for something or like trying something on big nick was trying on leather jackets last week yeah <laughs> all right so i wouldn't say this is a big quote movie but do you guys have any that you want to kind of mention there are some small quotes but uh I'll, I'll give i'll give mine this is uh the malloy brothers so i'm gonna actually do both parts watch it bud who you call him bud pal who you call him pal friend who you call him friend jackass I just love that. I love that. They're great. <laughs> Their banter. In terms so of quotes that are good advice, uh, how you bet is your business? 
you want them to think that you're betting for a reason. And that's good life advice. I'd also wow. like to say this is the second movie in the last month that we've watched in which they play five, uh, like five card draw. And mm. granted, this was before like the kind of Chris Moneymaker uh, poker revolution, poker world series of poker, like craze, but that would not apply to crazy rich Asians, which also has five card draw. I don't know anyone who's playing five card draw these days. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's Hold'em. Hold'em is yeah. the game. Unless you're playing like a form of stud or Omaha. Yeah. But none of them are five card draw. No. Uh, I got one quick basher one. Oi, leave it out. <laughs> That's pretty That good. may have been a better accent than his. I don't know. <laughs> that was pretty good. I'm not that, a good judge of accents. That was pretty good. And then I have one between Linus and, and Rusty. You scared? You suicidal? Only in the mornings. Yeah, it's pretty good. And sorry, I got one more, and this is it. This is it, I promise. Ah, Craig hates those lists. I agree in this situation. I'm, I'm rambling, but here we go. Sol, do you make it out to Utah much? And he's like, not as much as I'd like. I think you'd dig Provo. I think you'd do well there. <laughs> outrageous, yeah. yeah. Not as much as I'd like. <laughs> yeah, just, just outrageous. I think you'd dig Provo. I think you'd do well there. Uh, yeah. what do you get? What's your guys' favorite? I like the banter. The Malloy. The Malloy. The Malloy's. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was Malloy. laughing, literally laughing out loud, which doesn't happen to me very often when I was going on. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. Agreed. And he's not a big out loud laugher. I'm, I'm not a big laugh, laugh out loud guy. First. He doesn't. Not, especially not by myself. By myself, I'm not laughing out loud very often. Oh, I do. I So I, I'm i kind of like worried about if I would be like listening to a comedy podcast in public because sometimes I just, it'll just hit me and I start laughing very loudly not like very big i mean oh yeah uh and it's like people think you're a crazy person i hope people don't think i'm a crazy person um anyway do you guys have any like big rtz's that you want to mention or should we just scoot right along well so much of this 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 movie is an rtz because you we have to suspend disbelief but planning and executing this job in two weeks is completely insane like just wait for the next big fight man you don't have to do it in two weeks. Well, okay, let me ask you this. What is less believable? Planning this crazy heist, getting a whole team together and everything. So planning and executing a heist in two weeks or Kevin McAllister cleaning up his house in one night. What's, I mean, what's less believable time-wise? I'll tell you what. The second uh, one, because no kid is going to clean up the house like that. I think there's a lot of casinos in Vegas that could be used in the Kevin McAllister cleanup services after this, after that pinch was used. Very true. Yes, very true. Speaking of, by the way, it's basically like resolved. The issue has been resolved by the time Rusty is walking through the uh, see. There are hundreds of people stealing, like grabbing uh, yeah. chips and stuff. Like this would, I feel like they would sh- shut down the casino, don't you? I mean, probably you would think so, but yeah, they had that. That's one more really quickly. Yeah, that's one more RTZ is that you have a you have a SWAT truck van out front but no other police come i know the call got rerouted but if i'm like a regular 5-0 and i see hmm what's swat doing over there i'm probably stopping by you know hey can i be of any assistance <laughs> you're probably right do you need me out there do you need my, you assistance? Need my assistance <laughs> or if, uh... Uh, man speaking of quotes man we need to do some more comedy so we can just dominate quotes i yeah 
on that note, we're going to be doing a movie next week that I don't think anyone could describe as a comedy. Unfortunately, I mentioned it last week. The town's out. The town is not streaming anymore, so we can't do the town. It's going to be sorely missed uh, during heist month. I will be doing a different Ben Affleck movie, or I will be picking a different Ben Affleck movie, uh, which is called, what's it called, guys? Triple Frontier. Triple Frontier. That's right. Uh, yeah. A different Ben Affleck pretty heist good, movie. Pretty good movie. We'll be getting a lot of good quotes. We'll yeah. be getting sad Ben Affleck next week, but uh, you know it'll we'll be fine. We'll try to promise the uh, audience a hard out of one hour and thirty minutes. <laughs> we, well, that's a hard out. Much like Tom, really hard. Much like Tom, who knows if he'll uh, abide by that hard out? Yeah, or if I'll abide by that hard out. Uh, I agree. <laughs> Let's try to maybe be a little shorter than this week. This week we are pushing. We're pushing the envelope for everyone, and I, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think next week it'll be a little bit shorter. Anyway, do you guys have anything well, else to say on this movie? It's basically the perfect I, uh, movie, but we've discussed it. Yeah, I've got – is this a perfect movie? I mean, it's almost a perfect movie for me. For Gene Picks Heist Month, this is a perfect movie. It it hits every single box it could possibly hit in terms of being a Gene Pick and also being a heist movie. Yeah. And the cast is great. The music's great. Yes, I think I, – I mean – could be called a perfect movie outside of gene picks but for gene picks heist month it is literally the perfect movie you're right about that yeah i so here's the thing there we just talked about a lot of plot holes and like things you have to go along with suspend disbelief for that reason i'm not going to call it the perfect movie but in terms of a gene pick just charming the hell out of your movie yeah it it it, it checks all those boxes that you would want it to check yeah you're right let's do it that's it for andy craig and brian like I said, we'll be doing Triple Frontier next week, wrapping up Heist Month. Should we Thank should we fade out? Pick. Should we fade out to Claire de Lune for the audience? Yeah. All right. Pop well, Claire de Lune on. All right. We'll enjoy. <laughs>